three, two, one. Welcome to the Center Bench Sports Podcast, where four washed up athletes now sit around and scrutinize sports. Starting at Center Bench, you have Mikey, Luke, Peo, and myself, Luca. All right, boys, tons to dissect here. We've got the Super Bowl recap, some hoop talk, and a special guest interview for our listeners. But first things first, let's check in with the boys. It was exciting having John Shannon on and Matt. It seemed like he was a little bit of a, a Crosby fanboy like you. Found a new best friend. <laughs> Anyways, I, I, I think it would be interesting for, for you guys to tell the story about Luca when you ran, ran into Malkin in the in the parking lot. Why don't you... Gino, Gino. Yeah, yeah. I'm still <laughs> having yeah. nightmares. My, my boy Gino, for sure. But first... <laughs> First, before we get into that story, Luke, can I call John Shannon the Shannonator? Is that cut or uncut? I, that's that's I cut, like, I think. Yeah, I'm cutting that. <laughs> I, f- I feel like he, we haven't yeah? earned the right at okay. this point. I mean, he just asked us for a beer. Uh, Let's see how the beers go, and then maybe at that point we can yeah. we can let it slide. But I might my face okay. might start note blushing if you call him that. <laughs> okay, note to self, don't call John the Shannonator. Okay. Um, no, like you mentioned, Luke, I have a, I have a story. This happened a couple of years ago. Uh, I was working at a, a branch downtown, King and Bathurst. After my shift, I parked, I parked around the, um, actually it's regulars now, regulars bar. There's a parking lot there. I went downstairs with my briefcase and looking, I'm looking to get my keys and I look up and I see Gino Malkin, number 71 for the Pittsburgh Penguins with his wife and his and his uh, parents. And I go, Gino, Gino, what's up, man? And he was like kind of shy. His wife wasn't even having it. Like she was in the corner just like tapping her feet. Like when is this guy going to like either ask for an autograph or just move along? So I was just like in pure panic star mode. And instead of asking for a picture, I actually tried to FaceTime Peo. And I was like, Gino, I got it. One of my best friends, he he has he's a big Pittsburgh fan. I need you to FaceTime me with him. He wouldn't believe that this has just happened. And he- I was driving home from work, and at the time I was carpooling with my brothers. And usually, my older brother Michael's the one driving. I don't know for whatever reason. <laughs> on this day, with my luck, I had to be the one driving. At my phone luck. was <laughs> my phone was on silent. It wasn't connected to the Bluetooth. And then I, I see missed calls and everything from Luca. I see all these messages that he met of Genny Malkin. I was like, what the fuck? He's like, bro, I tried calling you. I tried FaceTiming you. He was down. <laughs> and when I saw that, my face went red. And I remember telling my parents the story. And I honestly think I had like a tear in my eye. And I couldn't even eat dinner right away. I had to wait like 10 minutes to, like, to cool down. Um, what would you have done if you're, yeah. if you're driving in the car and you like happen to, to pick up the FaceTime thinking you'll just be like, hey, like I'll, I'll call you later. I'm driving. What would you have done if you seen Gino's face there? <laughs> I don't know. I might have had to swerve into the, uh, <laughs> to the off the highway there. But yeah, like to this day, like I still can't believe it. And uh, yeah, long story short, like, he wasn't a fan of me. He was so like, rattled and disappointed like he just i just wasted like maybe 10 minutes of his time poor guy was just wanting uh, a family dinner and here i am yeah, not screaming only, at him gino not only that but my biggest takeaway is that you go up to people that you don't even know and either one make up nicknames for them like the shannonator or two just scream their nickname at them when you don't even know them it's my biggest takeaway from the story i think that's something you got to work nah, on man. but i think a big hey, takeaway mean, too is rather than luke Rather than Luca asking for an autograph or for a picture for himself, <laughs> he tried FaceTiming me. So wow, yeah. that's a, that's I a good that's friend a right there. Yeah. That, that's it. Thank you, Peo. There you go. More than likely, he uh, didn't know what to talk to him about. <laughs> He's just like, oh, so uh, Russia. Oh, Matt, my friend Matt. Matt. Russia best. All right, should we get into it? Yeah, let's get it. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce our next guest to the Center Bench Podcast, the true, true hockey guy. He's really done it all in the league from head coach, assistant GM, GM, president, and then most recently in the media working as an analyst for Sportsnet Hockey Central. Ladies and gentlemen, we're super, super excited to introduce Mr. Doug McLean. We thought when uh, when you said you were going to be out of the house for sure, you'd be on the 18th green right now. <laughs> Is that the case? No, I tee off at 7 in the morning. Three only three only three days a week at seven a.m. Done at ten thirty. Perfect. That's nice. That's the life. Yeah. So before we get uh, started, Doug, we like to start off with a warm up. Uh, we have a segment called Yearbook Superlatives. We threw one at John last week, so we want to start off with one with you here. So what we have for you is the most likely to take the most mulligans on a round of eighteen, and your options are A. 
Nick Kiprios, B, Darren Millard, or C, yourself, Doug McLean? That's that's really a simple one. <laughs> Me. <laughs> <laughs> I start off, first of all, I go to the tee box at the number one hole with two balls. And I, <laughs> I mean, you always, you always do that. Yeah. Don't you? And yeah, you, definitely. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. That's, but the guys I play with down here play for money, so that's it for me for mulligans. In PEI, it's mulligans all day long. <laughs> say one, we, we say one and nine, one and nine, but we do more than that. <laughs> a few breakfast balls. Doug, you're speaking my language here. I'm a mulligan guy too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Seriously. Well, everybody tells me you're supposed to have fun. The last time, I'm not going to make the PGA Tour, so what the hell? <laughs> you know? Exactly. <laughs> I thought we'd start off with a quick little story. So uh, me and my family are coming back from Aruba, and we have a connecting flight, and we end up in Florida, and we're near the gate, and we just had a bite to eat, and we gather near the gate, and look who's there. It's you, Doug McLean. I'm not sure if you remember, yeah. but we uh, we chatted with you for 15, 20 minutes. You razzed me and my family about the lease. We talked hockey, and uh, it was a, one of the highlights oh, yeah. for us. <laughs> First off, I'd like to thank you again for that. It was uh, it was a good time. It was a Sunday night, and you were coming back to Toronto to do hockey uh, central at noon. Now that you're retired, uh, how's retirement life treating you? you? I assume you're splitting the time between PEI and Florida? Uh, the last five years, I would fly up there on tuesday night or six o'clock wednesday morning out of miami and get there at 10 and do hockey central noon and then the night shows so i did it for eight years so your family and and i met many others on those on the, on those airport visits but you know what i i really enjoyed my time uh you know 22 years in the nhl and and really almost 10 years at sportsnet and i really enjoyed it really pretty funny i turned 65 in april on april 12th my contract was expiring june 30th and uh they told me they weren't going to pay me uh, what i was making i said i'll piss on you guys that's great I'm, I, I mean they they knew i wasn't going to take it when they said it uh so i you know i i, I told it's funny i i, I see berkey and Pittsburgh. i Berkey joined us that year, and I, I kept telling them all year, boys, they are not going to pay me this kind of money to come up here three days a week. There's not a snowball's chance in hell they're going to do this. <laughs> and I remember Amber and Ben Berkey and all of them would be, oh, no, he'll be back. I said, boys, I'm telling you, they're not going to pay me this to do three days a week. Not a chance. So because when I got my five-year deal, that's when Rogers signed the new deal with the NHL. And they had more. We used to go to the Ritz-Carlton. They'd have shrimp cocktails <laughs> and all this bullshit. <laughs> and, you know, and, and the money all of a sudden, yeah, and all of a sudden the money dried up. So I, so it was really pretty weird. It was, uh, you know, um, it was sort of over quick, which I was really kind of ready to. I had had my fill of the commuting. I love working at Sportsnet. They were great people. I really liked it. I loved the people I worked with. I had a ball. Uh, Kippy and Millard were terrific. Merrick, all of them were just terrific. And But you know what? I, I really, I, I was ready to, to I, you know, 35, 40 years. I think I said to my wife, like, seriously, I've worked for 42 straight years. I haven't missed a paycheck in 42 years. Can I not like quit soon? <laughs> you know, like seriously. <laughs> so anyway, it it was sort of ended quick, and it's you know I'm doing the podcast with Kippy a couple of days a week, which is fun. And I, but the problem with that damn show is, I gotta follow the league now, so <laughs> I gotta watch games. You know, so so anyway, look, it's been really fun, and uh, you know, you guys, you know, the podcasts are a fun thing. My son lives in Chicago, and he lives on podcasting. He drove to Cincinnati, Ohio today from Chicago, and he listened to podcasts the whole way. So that, that's his life. So uh, I'm glad you guys are, are in it. It's fun. But anyway, that's sort of the story. And I'm living in – I'm here. We're here eight months, and we're, uh, we're in PI four and a half months, and we're here about seven and a half months in Florida. So it's really a, a nice combination. Amazing. Doug, Luca here. Um, I just wanted to elaborate on your retired life. I have a question for you. I heard in Columbus you wanted a Harley. Did you end up getting one? Yeah, I did. I got a oh, uh, a, a, a yellow fat boy Harley. Oh. It was unbelievable. We we went to, home to PEI for Christmas, and we took the kids, 
and went, had our cottage opened up and we it was always kind of cool to go there at the odd christmas you know so we had a little hot a little thing jill and i would get pictures of the gifts we got each other so i was bitching hey i love i'm gonna get Harley." and they said you're nuts you're not getting early i wouldn't let you on early you saved your life <laughs> so anyway we open up you know our gifts and this pictures of what we had left back in columbus for the family you know the kids would bring as much as we could but for jill and i it was just a picture so i open up this picture and it's a yellow fat boy harley davidson and i'm thinking oh my god you didn't get that for me jill i can't believe you got that for me for christmas she said yeah I did. so anyway i get back to columbus and i've got a remote control <laughs> harley fat boy sitting in the garage like a little fake one and i was so pissed off it ruined christmas so no i don't have a real harley but i have a no <laughs> just and it rumbled it started up and it rumbled and you know but anyway <laughs> just as good but anyway i gotta tell you a funny story and i'm not i'm not bragging i'm not bragging but i'm this is what i'm dry i so i had a i had a porsche i had a 2000 porsche to 2005 and then i got i didn't have one for three Few years. And then I got one in 08 and I sold it in 2016. So Jill and I get a Lexus, like a Lexus uh, SUV. She wanted, you know, a good car. And I was, we had all different cars. But anyway, I, I'm driving out to get the Lexus service. She's got her own little car. And I'm driving out to get the Lexus service last Friday. And I said, what the hell am I doing driving a Lexus RV for? <laughs> Seriously. So I pull into Brayman Porsche and I bought a new Carrara Cabriolet convertible and I picked it up Saturday. So how's that? Not bad at all. <laughs> now that pisses Kiprios. That really pisses Kiprios. <laughs> <laughs> and John Shannon just shakes his head. He just shakes his head. I said, Shannon, you got a Mini Cooper. I mean, come on. That's awesome. <laughs> so anyway, everybody will say, oh, you're breaking McLean, but I just thought I'd throw there because... It really bugged Kiprios and Shannon this week when I told them. Oh, they were sour. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a well, good story. Going from treating yeah. cars to treating players back to your GM days um, in Columbus, was there any a trade huh? that um, that you wish you would have made? And if you didn't make it, what was the reason why you couldn't pull the trigger? You know what? I don't – you know what? When you're an expansion – when you're an expansion GM – the, the, most of the trades are little trades. They really are. I mean, the one I did that I sort of, I, I sort of was a little, uh, I got ripped about it quite a bit was when I traded for Fedorov from Anaheim and I traded Todd Marchant, really. Todd Marchant and Tyler Wright went and Bolshaman was part of that deal for Fedorov. And I, I really, wanted fatter i had fatter off for five years in detroit i was with him for his first five years in the league my first day in detroit as assistant coach was fatter first day in detroit and i loved the guy and i wanted to trade from because i thought he could help me smarten up jared F. I, I had a major issues with jared F. maybe the most talented player i've ever had in my career in in 20 some years in the nhl was jared F. He, this guy was on this guy had 27 goals for fun a couple of years in the nhl but he was such a goofball. And I brought in Fedorov to, you know, to help him. Fedorov came to me about three weeks later and said, Doug, uh, he said, no, I, uh, this guy a, is a lost cause. I, I can't do anything with this idiot. <laughs> and you know what? And I didn't mind losing Marchand. I, I moved Marchand. I put Tyler Wright in the deal that wasn't very good at the time. And it evened up the money for Fedorov to come in. And that money went out. But I, but. Bochaman was almost like a throw-in in the deal. He was playing for our farm team in Syracuse. I got him in, from Montreal on waivers, and he went to... Uh, so he goes to Anaheim, and they put him with Niedermeyer, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and he becomes a friggin' real good player. So, I mean, that was the one... That was the, probably the biggest trade I made. I mean, most of the trades were... You know, I trade Kevin Adams, the GM in Buffalo, for Ray Whitney. It was a really mm -hmm. good trade for us, I I thought I had a couple of deals done. Uh, I, the, here's the one deal that I had that I'm up in Traverse City at the rookie camp and I'm in Federal Road. Jared Ebb was driving me crazy. So I had a deal in place, Doug Armstrong and I, he was a GM in Dallas to trade Jared Ebb for Brendan Morrow. <laughs> and Brendan Morrow was a really young guy, but a real good player, a character, you know, captain type guy in Dallas. And 
So I fly from Traverse City. I said to Army, I said, Army, I got to go in, uh, back into Columbus and get approval from my owner to make this deal. You know, Jared, that was like his third or fourth year. He's holding out on us. And just crazy. So I fly down from Traverse City to Columbus, going to meet with my owner, get the deal approved. I, I'm all excited. You know, we're going to move Jared. We're going to get Brendan Morrow. Who I, we thought, you know, play with Nash. He's going to be a real solid captain character guy for 10 years for us. And, Army bailed on the deal. I was so pissed off. I was so pissed <laughs> off. And Army said, look, I, we, because they were in a contract dispute with Morrow at the time, and Army got him done in, in during that 24-hour period. So that was a deal I really lost out that I thought I had done. But other than that, there was a lot of little, you know, a lot of little deals. But, you know, that's what, that's the only regret of my career, 22 years, and I was a head coach of an expansion team in Florida. And a G, my only GM job was of an expansion team, which is a really, really tough job. Let me tell you, really, especially in a market where they didn't have hockey before. It, it was a, it was a grind. But anyway, that I had a ball. I had a ball. Was there, uh, was there ever a player in Florida when you were a head coach that you were uh, talking to your GM to try and get rid of, or um, maybe the opposite, trying to talk to your GM to get on your team? You know what? Uh, Brian was my GM, Brian Murray, and we had worked together for 10 years prior. I was with Brian in Washington and Detroit uh, prior to joining him in Florida as the head coach. And, uh, you know what? I'll never forget. Um, they call me in and they tell me we're going to trade Stu Barnes. And Stewie Barnes was a star for us guys. He was, a, I don't know if he's the third overall pick of Winnipeg, you know, going to Columbus or going to Florida and expansion. I, I, Stewie was a star. He, he was a 30-goal guy for us, center Iceman, but they were always mad at him. Chuck Fletcher, the assistant GM, and Brian, oh, he's too small. We need a big centerman. So I go into the office in the morning, and they tell me they're trading Stewie Barnes for Chris Wells. I said, who the hell is Chris Wells? Chris Wells was a six foot four centerman, first-round pick of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay? He was like a, a 19, 20-year-old at the time. And we were throwing in Jason Woolley, who was a really dependable guy. So I said, guys, are you guys serious? So they get, well, I get on with the scouts and the Jeep, Brian and I and Chuck. And the and I remember our Western scout saying, this kid, I think he had played in Portland or somewhere. And he said, Doug, don't worry about Chris Wells. He will be your next captain in Florida. He will be, he's going to be that good of NHL player. He comes into us. He can hardly skate, stumbling around the ice. Oh my God, I think. Are you kidding? I'm driving home at lunch and I phone my nine year old son, Clark, who's now an agent in Chicago, who was nine at the time. And I said, We traded Stewie Burns. He said, Are you guys idiots? That's what my nine year old said. So then a, six months later, I'm in, out west with the team, the Panthers, and I meet the scout that told me he was going to be my next captain. And I said, his name was Wayne Meyer. He still scouts for somebody. I said, Wayne, like, did you think I was going to be coaching in the East Coast League, that this guy was going to be my captain or what? <laughs> so that was one that drove me friggin' crazy. But, uh, you know, uh, Stewie Burns. Went on, Stewie went on to play another 10 years. I mean, he was, he was unbelievable. And Chris Wells, I mean, he still lives down here in Florida. Nice kid. I'm, You know, he's in the alumni group of the Pandas, and he might have played 20 games. But anyway, that's, that's we had lots of fun over the years, but Brian Murray was just a wonderful guy to work with. Oh my God. I worked with Brian for 10, 12 years. He was a special guy. And obviously we lost him there a couple of years ago, but man, he was a special guy. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you had a lot of uh, trouble with the expansion team. Um, we all know that Seattle's getting one next year. What advice would you give to Ron Francis and co uh, to orchestrate it and, you know, do's and don'ts? Well, you know what? It's really different. I mean, look, Take a look at uh, our Minnesota. When we come into the league in Columbus, number one, Minnesota, Nashville came in, in in 2017. Atlanta came in in 2018. And, or in, not 2018, in 1997-98. And we came in in 2000, us in Minnesota. Four teams in a three-year period. Four teams in a three-year period we come in. I mean, it was pick bone dry. And we used to do these mock drafts, and I'm thinking, are you kidding me? That's who we're going to have available? Are you shitting me? <laughs> That's what we're going to have? 
So we go into the expansion draft, Rise, Bruin, Minnie, and me, and, and we had the, at the Western Hotel in Calgary. And half the picks we made were just so we didn't have to, we'd pick somebody that was, contract was expiring, so we wouldn't have to take them, you know? <laughs> and halfway through the draft, Bill Daly called a meeting between me and Riser. He said, you guys are making a mockery of this. You're, you're taking all these guys that you're never going to play on your team. I said, well, and Riser and I said, well, that, with what the rules are here, what choice do we got? We're not going to take guys making $5 million. We're an expansion team. It was so different. I couldn't offer advice to them in, in Vegas or here because it's so dramatically different. Now they're getting top players. Now they're getting, you know, they got, they've got to spend 60 or $69 million in their first year. My payroll in Columbus in year one was $17 million. And, you know, they have to spend to the floor now. There's no salary cap when we come in, so you can spend what you want it. But it's so dramatically different. It's not even remotely close to what it is. They're getting, in Vegas we saw it, and in Seattle they're going to get a ready-made team, which is really unbelievable. Well, they're paying $650 million for the franchise. We paid $80 million for the team in Columbus, you know? Yeah. It should be different, right? So I got... I mean, I don't know what to tell Ronnie Fran. <laughs> Doug, Doug, speaking of that, you, you famously said in 2016 that you don't see it ever working out financially for Vegas. Just wondering if that perspective has changed at all now. Oh, I, you know what? I, I thought it would be really, really weird there. I did. I, I mean, I've been to Vegas a lot. Um, I, you know, they really wanted an NBA team really bad. That's what, you know, and that's what the NHL did. They, they jumped in ahead of the NBA. Now they got an NFL team. I thought it would be really tough. I, I really did. And I was so wrong on that. So wrong. It has been, you know, because, but you know what, in fairness, let me tell you how it's different. If they would have had what we had for rules in Columbus, and probably when I said that, I didn't know the rules. <laughs> if they would have had a brutal team like we had, to start it off in Vegas for the first three or four years, it may not have been so pretty. But when you got a team that comes in there and you're really pretty good off the bat, um, you know, it was, you know, even even when Florida and and, uh, and Anaheim came in, the rules were even better. I mean, they got John, I mean, Florida got John Van Beesbrook with for a goaltender in the expansion draft and some really good players. So I just, I, I thought it would be a typical expansion team and they'd be lousy and the fans would just laugh at them. But, I mean, they ended up with a real good team. So, you know, good on it. Smart by the league. And Vegas did a good job, you know, and I was wrong. All right, we're, we're going to switch uh, our hats here. We're going to go through your coaching days. Uh, who was the one player that you had the hardest time game playing against? Well, look, I'll tell you, when we uh, when we were in the Stanley Cup final uh, with the Panthers, we went against Colorado, and it was the most unbelievable coaching challenge I'd ever seen. And that's going back to, you know, my, my days as an associate coach in Detroit for five years, an assistant in Washington and in St. Louis. To game plan against Sackick and Forsberg was unbelievable. My center ice was... Robbie Niedemeyer, Brian Scrudland, and Tommy Fitzgerald, the GM in, in Jersey. That was my top three centermen. <laughs> and going against Sackick and Forsberg was really, really challenging. They were so good, it was unbelievable, those two guys. You know, Sackick was a special guy. He had the great shot, but he was also just an amazing, talented player. And Forsberg was over the top. You couldn't defend him, and I remember being on the bench in that series. Oh, my God. I look and over comes Sackick. And I'm thinking, okay, screw you. Go against Sackick. And over comes Forsberg. Okay. Needs, uh, you go against. Uh, you go against. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. That one, two. We, we beat out Philly that year. Philly with Lindros with the Legion of Doom line. We beat them out. And Niedemeyer went head-to-head for 90% of the time. Robbie Niedemeyer head-to-head against Lindros and you know, I don't know if you guys are too young to remember Jovanovski going head to head with uh, as a nineteen year old going head to head with and knocking heads with Lindros. It was he was he was amazing to match up against. But Sackick Forsberg combination was by far the toughest. Um, thoughts on the lining bench line A benching? How did you handle new players like that? And did you agree with what Torts did there? I thought it was crazy. 
I, I thought it was crazy. I, I, you know, the one thing as a coach that you try to do is, is not embarrass your general manager, you know? And I think you here, you've got a situation where it was a controversial trade. Dubois wanted out of Columbus. Line A sort of wanted out of Winnipeg. So, you know, both GMs, to me, did a hell of a job. You know, you get Line A coming into Columbus where they are desperate for goal scoring. The kid scores three goals the previous, you know, uh, two games. And he gets into an altercation with a coach on the bench. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, you guys, I don't know if you've been on NHL benches in games. You know, I was on the benches for 15 years. And it's a war down there. It's it's a war down there, not a war, but it's it's a grind down there, and there's and there's all kinds of things said and and mouthing off and pissed off and ticked off, whether it's the coach at the player and the player will say it. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And to bench a 24 year old who's supposed to be your future superstar, who you who your general manager has to get signed. Look, I don't have a problem. He mouthed off at a coach. You reprimand him for that. You sit him out a few shifts. You sit him out the last six minutes of the second period, but to plan him there for the next period and a half. And what it did, it caused so much drama around this team that already has too much drama around it because of this guy on the bench. He creates drama every day. And it's, it's, it's starting to wear thin on too many people. And Columbus, as a franchise, need to get past this they've got to become a little uh, a situation is a, there's too many rumblings out there players don't want to play there by the way that's bullshit for me don't base it on Panarin and Bobrovsky those two guys don't wouldn't be happy most places so don't blame that on Columbus but they they, they got to get this guy signed they got to get this kid line a signed to a long-term contract or at least a, a three-year deal to salvage this. They can't have him want out of there after this year. So I thought it was crazy. I really did. Yeah, no, I agree. I think you made a lot of good points there. Was there ever a player that you just absolutely hated, were fuming, always wanted to, you know, just do what Torch did and just sit him down on the bench and that's the end of your night and the end of you here? You know what? I, I got to tell you, and I, I've said this so many times to people over the years, in 22 years, Honest to God, I don't remember a player that I didn't like as a person. Mm-hmm. I, I honest to God, I didn't. I, 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 I. Is there lots of guys I didn't like the way they played? Yeah, I didn't like the way lots of guys played. You know, because it was, you know, it was, you know, it's tough playing in the NHL. You know, and it's tough being a coach and it's tough being a GM. But it, it's. Uh, but I, there's not a guy in my 22 years that I would be scared to sit down and have a beer with even guys I traded or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever happened. And I just, I liked them. I liked them all as guys. I really did. I, I remember, I remember after a game, uh, in Columbus, Jason Chimero, I was a GM of them. He was unbelievable. He was so bad in the game. And I, I go downstairs after the game. I go in, I said to coach, I said, where's Chimera? He's, he's in the weight room. <laughs> I go in, he's on the bike. And I walk up to him, I said, you were, you were, and I <laughs> swore at him with an explicit, <laughs> that was, that was just, that was really bad. It was Don't really, really it bad. What I we're said, okay, no, I wouldn't, I, honest to God, honest to God, I wouldn't say it. I, I said, you were an F, you, you were an F and something out there tonight. It was, it was, it was sickening to watch you. Okay. So I get in the car and I'm driving home. And I'm talking to Jill, and I said, uh, I said I lost it after the game. I I went after Jason Mayer, and this is what I said to him. And she said, "You said that to one of your players." And I said, "Yeah, I said as a Jason." She said, "You're an asshole. <laughs> you, you you better go in tomorrow morning, and you better call Jason into your office, and you better apologize to him. You for because nobody deserves to have that said to him. Okay." So I go in the next morning and I call Jason into my office and he thinks he thinks he's getting shit again. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. He thinks, uh, he thinks I'm going to give it to him again. And he comes in and I said, Jason, I, I just, you know, I just want to apologize to you. It was unfair what I said. You were really bad. 
but it was unfair what I said to you, and I want to apologize. And he looked at me like I had two heads. <laughs> you know what? It, it was our relationship. I, I still I run into him the odd time. I've had him on Hockey Central at noon. I've heard him on Hockey Central and telling stories about me. It were it, it really, you know. I'm thank God I I went back and said that to him because he he didn't deserve it, and I was wrong. And I and and because of that, we we go back. We were I, I would consider him a friend. You know, know what I mean? Mm, it's kind of no. weird, but you know, you, the heat of the battle's different. You know, for sure. Um, you mentioned Brian Burke earlier on. Um, what were your thoughts on the Brian Burke and Ron Hextel signing in Pittsburgh? And uh, did you find that job to be an attractive job, given I guess the current state that they're in in Pittsburgh right now? Well, look. And Berkey and I used to sit at the Ritz for the, you know, he was with us. So, uh, you know, I was with him for a year at Sportsnet, but I go back with Berkey forever. I mean, I mean, we traveled Europe together scouting when we were GMs and we, you know, we, we sort of, we knew each other really well. And I mean, we'd sit at the Ritz and we'd tell each other how we're done with the NHL. <laughs> uh, I'm done with the NHL. I don't want to go back to the NHL. Yeah. Right. I'm <laughs> retiring. I'm going to Florida, you know, I, and, uh, and I said to Kippy the other day at the, Brian Burke's the same as everybody. He's he's not going back to the NHL until he gets a job <laughs> offer, and then he's going back to the NHL. <laughs> so you know what? It's it's going to be a tough job, but like like in fairness, I mean, who wouldn't take the G uh, the president's job of the Pittsburgh Penguins? I'm serious. I interviewed for that coaching job there three or four years right. ago when they hired uh, actually they hired Mike Johnson, and I, I mean, I, I'm thinking like. Who, who like I don't blame Berkey. He's sixty-five. Good way to end your career. Hopefully, it's not going to be too tough. It's not going to be easy. They got to find a goalie number one, and they got to find at least get Dumoulin back uh, and uh, healthy, and get another defenseman, and get rid of a couple of guys. I I don't mind their forward group, but look, it's going to be really tough over the next few years. So it's going to be interesting to watch the transition here and how they make out. But I I would never ever say not to take a job in the NHL. Like they are so like I came, I coached, I was coaching the Summerside Western Capitals in 1983 in the Maritime Junior League. And in 1987, I was assistant coach with the St. Louis Blues. Like you tell me how that happened <laughs> from Summerside PEI. That's how fluky it's hard to get in you know, it's hard to get to the NHL. It's a, it's a dream. I've never, ever say to anybody never take a job and most guys don't because come on they don't happen that often mm -hmm. you know speaking of top teams uh who do you after you know 10 15 games now in who do you have as as a top team in the nhl who do you think's gonna make the cup oh who's your early i i i've all i i really love the way boston have played i thought they had struggled a little bit but i did pick i picked them to make the playoffs and and be the best team in that division i and of course kippy and i battled over that but i i really like their their group i i was a little nervous with their golden and he's been unbelievable but bergeron marchand's a superstar in the league guys and pasternak is a special player mcavoy's special they got great depth up front. They play the right way. So I've liked the Bruins a lot. You know, I think they're going to be fine. Vegas has really been playing great. I haven't watched them a whole lot because they come on too damn late at night for a retired guy. <laughs> I love I love Colorado. I, I love I love what's going on in Colorado. Chris McFarland. We hired Chris. It's funny. We hired Chris McFarland in Columbus as a 29 year old at a Pace University, which is a law school in New York. Never played hockey in his life. He played a little bit of street hockey, he told me, in the interview. But we hired him as our you know, hockey ops sort of assistant. And he, I looked the other day. He was a runner-up to the Pittsburgh GM's job. And I looked the other day, and he's 50 now. And I thought, oh, my God almighty. <laughs> but they've done, him and Joe Sackey have done a hell of a job. You know, He was in Columbus 14 years, and he got fired there. Uh, by house and crazy, but anyway, he, he was because he was one of my guys. They fired him, I'm sure. But anyway, <laughs> he went to Colorado. He went to Colorado, and he's been really helpful. I mean, he's he's helped build that team in a big, big way. I love the way their blue line is. I'm still not sold on their goaltending for Stanley Cup, but them in Vegas to me, uh, and St. Louis there. But I I kind of like I kind of like Colorado. I think if they can. If their goaltending can get it done for them, 
I, I love their team. So, you know, they're really good. I mean, Washington's going to be good. Um, I, you know, I, there's not really, I, I mean, I like Toronto. I like Toronto, Montreal in, in the Canadian division. I really do. I mean, we picked uh, Kippy and I when we did our thing, you know, I picked Toronto one and, and Montreal two in Winnipeg three and fourth is going to be a gong show because they're all bad. But the first three, it should be Calgary, really. It should be Calgary, but I picked Vancouver and I was really wrong on that one. But I mean, who's going to win it? I mean, I, I'd like to say Colorado's going to, I'd love to see Colorado Boston in the final or, or even Toronto in the final. It'd be kind of fun, you know. Doug, you, you, you really like Colorado and so do we, but the one thing we were wondering is why haven't they made a, a move for a goaltender if it's such an obvious gap for them? Totally. Well, it was a disaster last year. I mean, like, the, remember last year, guys? I mean, they should have went to the final last year. The games were 8-7 against yeah. Dallas. I mean, they put in a guy, Grubauer gets hurt, and they come back with a backup for God's sake. He played 30 games in the NHL. It was crazy. Yeah. And they're back to the same thing. You know, they're back to the same thing. I mean, they like Grubauer a lot, but, I mean, I just, unless this, the, you know, the kid, the backup, he, who's not a kid, he's, what is he, a 31-year-old Czech, um, unless he's a lot better this year, it's the same old, same old. And it's like, it's like we just talked about, I, I mean, I guarantee you Pittsburgh are begging Vegas for flurry right now. I guarantee you they are. I know they tried to get him in the summer, Vegas, Pittsburgh were asking for, imagine, this is how the NHL's changed boys. They were asking, Pittsburgh wanted a first round pick to take flurry from Vegas. <laughs> Wow. Uh, tell me the game hasn't changed, right? Really? Doesn't that, and I guarantee you they're looking for the same thing still. Beg, Pittsburgh won a first round. Now, Berkey and Hexie will probably go about it a little different. They got to get Pittsburgh, if they're going to improve, have got to get a goalie. Jari, I mean, I like Jari, but he's not going to get them in the playoffs, in my opinion. The Islanders will beat them out for the fourth spot. And, uh, and again, it's goaltending. I mean, how critical is it? You don't get there if you don't have great goaltending. So. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, you mentioned the Leafs there, and it was a little bit of music to my ears making a cup finals. <laughs> uh, but if it doesn't end so well for them, and they, let's say they get kicked out in the first or second round, uh, what do you do? Oh my do you God. trade one of the core four? Um, if they if they real if they don't if they don't make it in if they don't make it out of the first or second round. They've got to have an unbelievable, unbelievable, serious look at moving, uh, putting a package together, and desperately trying to find a number one defenseman. I love Morgan Riley. I love him. I think he's a great player. I think he's a perfect number two, which is really good. A number two, def you know how many teams their best defenseman is really a number two in the league? There's a lot of them, okay? Mm -hmm. A lot of them. But I think Stanley Cup winners typically have a superstar in the in the like a Hedman, a Lidstrom. Very few teams win a Stanley Cup that don't have the big horse. Whether it's Duncan Keith combina combination with Seabrook in the day, or it's Lidstrom, or it's you know I mean the only team I can think back Pronger in Anaheim, Niedermeyer in Anaheim. If you don't have that big guy on the back end, it's typical you don't win a Stanley Cup. Now, can they move Nylander and and a package and get a number one defenseman? I don't know, but that's what to me that's that's a is a real uh, interesting situation, and and that's with all due respect to Morgan Riley, who I think is a hell of a player. Yeah, but I don't think I, I have a hard time. Their blue line looks real good right now, boys, but I have a hard time believing that's a Stanley Cup blue line. I just, I'm not buying yeah, it. No. Bogosian was a spare part. Hall has been really good. Muzzin is is fine where he is. I just don't see that as a Stanley Cup blue line. But I, I you know, I, I'd like to see them do well. And uh, Freddie Anderson's got a lot to prove. He's been, hey, I said going into last night's game with Kippy yesterday on our show, I said, Kippy, he's been as good as Price this year. Freddie has been every bit as good as Price has been this year. And he was just as good as Price last night, or maybe better. Um, Freddie's been good, but Freddie's got to win in the playoffs. Yeah. And if he doesn't, they got to get rid of him and get somebody else. They'll probably get rid of him anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with all that. I just think you might have a tough time trading Nylander for a number one defenseman. You know, if you're on the other side of that well, deal, I think a package. Yeah, it's going to take.
I think you, I think it's got to be a package. I think it's got to be a Nylander and somebody. Hey, they've got lots of good young pieces they can add to to get the. If it, it's got to be a situation where where the team is desperate to make a move. Like, what is Columbus going to do if Jones decides he's not going to sign there? You know, yeah. in two years' time, or actually, it's a year and a half now. What if in a year and a half Jones says or Rorensky says we're not going to sign there? Are they forced to make a deal? You know, that's what I'm thinking about. And can you put a package together to make that type of deal and get the guy signed? Uh, that's what I think. But I mean, look, uh, they've played really well. They've played really well. Tavares, you're not going to be able to move. That, you might as well. that, that ship has sailed. Mm -hmm. He's still a hell of a player. He's an important guy, but that is not going to be moved, that contract, unless they take back, you know, oodles. Matthews is, a, I mean, Matthews is unbelievable, boys. Marner is special, and Matthews is... Un I mean, I'm watching him here thinking, oh, my God almighty. How the hell do I have a nine-year run with an expansion team and never had the first overall pick once in my goddamn career? <laughs> Crazy. Other than the year I had to trade up. I traded up to get Nash. We were the third pick, and we moved up to one to get Nash in that deal. We had the third pick. And these guys get Matthews? <laughs> oh, my God. And then they get Marner where they got him. I mean, really, it's just so it's so fluky. I got one final story to tell you. We're playing in Vancouver, and we we play, and Nash and Jared have played in Vancouver. We won six, I think it was 6-2 we won, and they were unbelievable in the game. Jared had a couple of goals. Nash had a couple of goals. And I'm driving to the airport the next morning, and we're all excited. I mean, all, I'm, I stayed. The team flew on. I was going to scout. And, I, and I'm and i driving to the airport, and they're on saying, oh, my God, Columbus, how well set up are they for the future? They got Nash and Jared and Brule and all the LeClaire in goal, all these great young players. They're going to be a friend. Hockey News picked us with the number one best prospect group in the entire NHL. So much for the hockey news. <laughs> so anyway, I'm thinking that. So we win that game. If I'm not mistaken, it might have been the second last game of the season. That knocked us out of the the fourth pick in the lottery. A fourth pick going into the lottery. That knocked us out of that spot. Okay. Washington slide into that spot because we won the damn game. And Washington win the lottery, and they get a Mexican. <laughs> and I got, oh, no. and I got, and I traded down from four to eight because I ended up getting four. See, I slid. Once they won, they went. They were the fourth pick. They won the lottery, so they move mm -hmm. up, and then I lock drop down a pick. And I pick. I have the fourth pick, and I trade down and take Picard at eight because it was such a shitty draft. <laughs> anyway, how about that one? <laughs> what could have been? That's my luck. Is it? That's my luck as a GM, but anyway, that's fine. <laughs> um, one last one for you, Doug, before we go. You were talking about Matthews. There's been one debate that we've had on the podcast pretty passionately between two, uh, one really big Penguins fan and one really big Leafs fan. So we thought... We had to separate them, Doug. <laughs> so we thought we'd uh -huh. pose it, the question to you. Uh, don't over ask the next don't, don't, don't ask <laughs> Over the next three years... Who would you rather have, Austin Matthews or Sidney Crosby, for the next three years? No, it's not even close. It's it's Matthews. Yeah. The next Ooh, exactly. the next three years. So you're gonna yeah. what's what's Sid? Thirty three. Yeah. He's well, on the 30, decline. Turning thirty four. Yeah. I mean, look, Sid Crosby is is one of my all time favorite players. I, I love the I. I saw him as a nine-year-old at Alan Andrews Hockey School in Charlottetown. And he's one of my all-time favorite players to coach against, to, to whatever, manage against. He, unbelievable. Uh, he's done everything he can do for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he's going to try to do it again this year and next year. I, don't, I looked the other day, guys. I don't think he's got a five-on-five -five goal this year, has he? I don't think he scored uh, he a five-on-five. And, and Matthews is Matthews is... Yeah, to me it's not close, and I hate. I hate, I mean, I that's with that's with loving everything about Sid Crosby and what I mean. Look at what he's done. I look at who he plays with some nights over the last five six years. Are you kidding me? 
this guy's his winger. It's some Simon guy and this guy and that guy. I mean, who the hell are these guys playing on this wing? <laughs> but anyway, I got one one uh, little story. I was interviewing for the GM's job with, with the Jimmy or for the coaching job in Pittsburgh, and I was in his hotel room in New York, uh, and we were doing having the interview and and uh, in the playoffs and. He said to me, this was the question Jimmy Rutherford said to me. Okay, you're the co- you're my coach. And I had, been, I had been out of coaching like seven or eight years when I interviewed for this job. Jimmy was just saying, ah, maybe you know, I'll look at a veteran guy and see. So he said, what are you going to do on the bench when um, Sid or Malk can tell you to F off on the bench? That was the question he asked me in the interview. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, first of all, one of them will ever tell me to F off on the bench. I guarantee you that, Jimmy. So I don't even have to worry about it. And it's really interesting because some coaches take it right to the limit to get that to happen. You know, we talk line A, what happened there. I don't know what the what – the, but you always know when it's time as a coach to, okay, I've said my piece. Now don't – let's – we'll deal with this in the office after the game. You know what I mean? So you never let it get mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it was pretty funny. But um, – Saying is they aren't easy to handle as a coach, but uh, anyway, look, I mm-hmm. to me Matthews looks. I mean, guys, this guy looks special right now. Like he 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 goes in and wins the four check. He knocks people off the puck. He makes slot plays. He's got an unbelievable release. He can. He's doing it in both ends of the rink. I mean, I love Marner. Marner's special too. But Matthews right now, oh my God, he looks good. So anyway, keep going, Doug. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Who's the guy that? Doug, sweet music to Mikey's ears. Sid, Sid is special, boys. Don't ever. I mean, I just have not got anything. But over the next three years, it's going to be tough for. And Sid, I'm telling you, Sid would tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks like uh, we had some tech problems, and, and Doug unfortunately dropped off. He, either that, or he went to the the 19th hole at the golf course, and he's having a vodka soda off the course. But really appreciate your time, Doug. You were amazing. Loved your stories, and hopefully connect with you again sometime soon. We'll see you in the next airport. Super Bowl 55 is in the history books, and Tom Brady wins his seventh title. Kind of a boring game, but tons of to talk about here. Let's flip it over to the boys, and I'll start off with this question. I'm looking directly to you, Luke. This if you had the opportunity, <laughs> if you if you had the opportunity, would you join the Bucks at Disneyland this week? No, I, I think I'd pass on that. Number one, because I, I saw some of the videos on Instagram after the parties there happening in the middle of a pandemic, and I don't. I think I want to steer clear of those parties. But number two, I've got better things to do than to celebrate with the Bucks. It's quite the W for the Buccaneers. I was I was shocked. I thought I thought it was gonna be a close game. Like I could have I could have seen the Bucks winning, but not in this fashion. Kansas City didn't score a touchdown, and I was here on the podcast saying like I have a hard time seeing the Bucks stopping Mahomes and and that offense from scoring thirty points, and they scored nine. So the Bucks played impressive on all fronts. Like obviously your guys is your uh, your girl over there, Tom Brady played a, a very well played well <laughs> enough for them to to win a Super Bowl. Their defense played outstanding. Their line played incredible. Maybe even the most surprising for me is I thought they were they extremely outcoached uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and, and where I thought that the Kansas City had a little bit of an, an edge on Tampa was in the coaching department um, and I thought that they were outcoached and, and maybe the whole Andy Reid Sun thing had something to do with that mm-hmm. but I thought it was a super impressive game for the Bucks on all fronts just because I know you guys are going to attack me on Brady I, I thought he played very well and well enough for them to win he it was by far his best game in the playoffs and I know this isn't an original thought because after the game on C BS, you, you heard all the guys, especially Bill Cower, talking about the game was won at the line of scrimmage, and I thought that was the biggest takeaway for me when you look at the amount of pressures that the quarterbacks had. So I saw a stat that Mahomes was pressured on 52% of uh, his pass plays, which is the most in Super Bowl history, and Tom Brady was pressured on 13% of his pass plays. So that's telling you at the line of scrimmage that the, the Bucks won. I, yeah, I mean, like... You kind of summarized the game perfect, Luke. Uh, yeah, sorry, I didn't let anyone else talk. But. <laughs> um, one thing I was kind of disappointed too, like I actually thought Patrick Mahomes actually played a pretty good game, especially because of the pressure that he was facing. I think it was more so his receivers I was kind of disappointed in. Um, I think there was in the first quarter there when the ball went right through Tyreek Hill's hands. Yeah. And that could have been a, a score there. 
I think the next possession or two possessions after, on a third down, uh, Mahomes threw it to Kelsey wide open. He drops the ball. Who knows what happens if he converts that. Um, so I was pretty disappointed with how uh, poorly the Kansas City receivers played as well. You thought Mahomes played well? I think considering he, he didn't play, obviously, what he's capable of and like his best game, but I still think he he played a decent game. Um, I mean, getting all that pressure attacked onto you, you can only do so much. The guy almost made a throw as he was halfway on the ground. Yeah, yeah to your no. point, that could have changed the, like those couple of plays early in the first quarter could have changed. If Mahomes could have gone on, a, or the offense could have gone on a run and could have changed the game. Luke summed it up pretty well. The only part I disagree with is he said Brady played well enough to win. Yeah, good point, uh, Mike. Like, I don't like that, that phrase, that language, Luke. Uh, but, but what do you want? What, what do you want me to say? Like he 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 was. He didn't care. He didn't. He didn't carry his team, but he played a great game. Yeah. yeah. He didn't play well enough to win. That makes it sound as if that he did the bare minimum and he was more of a game manager. And I think a sentence before that, I, I said he played very well. So I, I'm sorry for yeah. you guys. Like, do you, I don't? I think you guys want me to get down on two knees. Like, I, I don't understand. Yeah. So so do you give Brady credit, or would you? kind of give it to the defensive game plan and the offensive game plan i think you have to give credit where it's due like i I think he played i think he played well and he led his team to a super bowl i think nick sav in our group chat said after the game that he his leadership is one of his his best traits and obviously he got the the entire team put them on his back i don't think that like i think there was many other factors that went into them winning the game but uh, you got to give him credit for for leading the team to victory yeah, they they honestly didn't really have a bad part of their game. I was never, like, I thought Tampa was going to win, but the game was a blowout. But at the end, I was just like, the whole game, I thought Casey still has a chance. Yeah. Casey agreed. still has a chance. Well, Casey, Casey, if anyone can do it, like, Casey can come back. Like, they yeah. can score at will sometimes. So it wasn't maybe till like, about four or five minutes left in the fourth quarter that I was finally like, okay, the Bucks are going to win for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think Casey being such an explosive offense kept it an entertaining game for me. For whatever reason, I, I I honestly didn't feel that like I, like it just it felt like Casey's offense was just so out of sync and like obviously they could have put it together but like for, like I was starting to lose interest like pretty early in in the third quarter there because it, it they weren't doing anything and I thought the only way that Kansas City um, could come back is through Tampa Bay turnovers um, that like it would have to like their momentum would have to shift through the defense and into the Brady and the offense credit they didn't turn the ball over they got the run game going um which just squeezed the air out of the football I don't know to me that's like two Super Bowls now in a row I guess that Mahomes mm-hmm. hasn't had a really good performance Agreed. against San Fran for like three out of the four quarters he was below average I don't blame all I don't put all the fault on him for what happened on Sunday I think it like you know it's hard to do that when you're having that much pressure and to be successful but you know, if he if he would have won, then it would, all the credit would have been given to him. So I think, you know, when they lose, he has to take a lot of the blame, and he hasn't been that good. He hasn't came into a Super Bowl and had a, an MVP-type performance, in my eyes, anyways. It's still early. Like, when you're kind of talking about, obviously, Tom Brady winning his seventh, by default, we have to talk about the greatest of all time. Um, so curious to get, like, your guys' take on, is Tom Brady now, did he finally solidify He's the greatest football player of all time. To me, when I'm looking at the goat, I'm just everyone. Every, it's subjective to everyone's, you know, threshold on who's the goat is and and how how you're gonna judge someone being the goat. But for me, it's all about you get to the promised land, you get to the Super Bowl, and how many rings you got, and how and and um, yeah, and how many wins you got in the finals or in the championship. And for me, Brady has seven rings that's unheard of and he's he's the greatest of all time just solely based on him winning those seven rings so based on that then who's the best nba player well according according to you guys it would be bill russell yeah that's why i i I don't i don't don't think i don't think i don't think it's not as many rings that that's a criteria but i don't think that's the the end of discussion because yeah yeah, that it's bill russell yeah exactly yeah yeah, and I, I think yeah. one thing to consider is that the, the Super Bowl era is not that old, right? Like the Super Bowl has been around for only 50, 55 years comparing to other sports leagues that have been around for hundreds of years. Like how many times have the Stanley Cup been hoisted, right? Mm-hmm. And in this league specifically, it's dynasty driven, right? Like you had the Steelers dynasty, you had the 49ers dynasty, you had the Cowboys who can't like it's dynasty driven. So I think like 
sure, if you want to call like Tom Brady the the greatest uh, leader of his team, um, he's won the most Super Bowl. I just I I really hate comparing like the stat of like Tom Brady versus other teams like winning the Super Bowl. It's like yeah, he won six Super Bowls with New England, who's he had maybe some of the greatest teams around him as well, and he's a big part of that. So who's the goat for you, Luke? Is it Brady? Did he convince you? Did he do enough? I mean. I, I didn't come prepared with like doing the research on like who I actually think is a good yeah, I, yeah, I think I think fair. my analysis is that like football is one of the toughest sports to analyze like who is the greatest of all time in that sport because every position um, on every side of the ball is, is so different whereas in basketball you have a lot of the same metrics across all positions in terms of uh, rebounds, points, block shots, steals, whatever you want to call it. It's the same metrics ac- across every single position. Whereas football is one of the few sports a- out Mobile there. quarterbacks that, then. Well, yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> just say it, Luke. Pa- paid man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, like, just for... I think you have to factor in that Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl and, what, do you throw 50 touchdowns this year between regular season and playoffs at yeah. 43 years old? That's got that's got to say something too, no? Yeah. Yeah. To 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 me the the greatest the greatest quarterback of all time is is between one guy who we haven't seen any of in our lifetimes is Joe Montana, uh, Peyton Manning, and then uh, Tom Brady. I think those like and once again like we're we're not subject to a lot of the errors that that came before us. In my mind, those are the greatest three quarterbacks. And then it goes down to the discussion is like, okay, Peyton Manning has three. He won it on two teams similar to Tom Brady. At what point is it like, okay, is because Brady has seven, like he's the greatest? And at what point is like, well, Manning's mind was better the way he uh, facilitated the offense. It's, it's like such a hard argument to have in this sport, I think. One, one thing I want to say is to me, that was the most impressive Super Bowl win for him. Going to a new team, he has COVID, he's 43 years old. To me, that wasn't the, his most impressive Super Bowl. Yeah, and no, he didn't no no um, preseason games. Yeah, not a lot of like not a regular training camp. Yeah, it was all virtual. Yeah, I think and from week twelve on, they didn't lose a game, mm-hmm. and that that was after their bye week. It looked like some things changed there. I don't. Know, people are saying now, you know, he took over the offense now, and <laughs> you know, Arian started listening to him, and blah blah blah. I don't know who knows how much of that is true, but. That's pretty impressive. It's time for the two-minute drill. I'll fire off some headlines that happened this week, and the boys will share their thoughts. Are you guys ready? Let's do it. All right. Thoughts on the Waste Management Open. Go. Looks like a time. Yeah, one of, one of my favorite tournaments of the year. I was trying to convince Mikey to do his bachelor party around that that time. Uh, but good for Brooks Kepka to, to show up when it's not a major. It was nice to see Jordan Spieth collapse as well. I don't like him, although I do think it's good for the game when he's playing well. The weekend's halftime show. Your thoughts? I'm, I'm kind of split. I'd give it a six and a half. Um, thought it was pretty cool production-wise and entertaining. All his songs are bangers, but in terms of his actual singing or lip singing, I didn't think it was anything special. Yeah, I think he, like, it gets hyped up because he says he's, everyone's saying, oh, he spent an extra $7 million of his own money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't like it that he had no guest. Uh, he's a good Canadian boy, though, so I enjoyed it. Should there be an all-star game in the NBA this year? There should not, no. Obviously, because you're taking people from all different teams, bringing them to one centralized spot at Atlanta, then dispersing them back into their hometowns. Sure, I think you should vote on it, but there shouldn't be a game played. Yeah, it surprised me that it's even being discussed. I thought NBA out of all leagues has the best pulse on their players, and clearly in this situation, they didn't. The game shouldn't be played. Nobody wants to play in it. I think it's going to get canceled. The Jose Casanco versus Barstool intern debacle. I thought I thought that was embarrassing of Jose Canseco. I thankfully I didn't pay for it. Me and my brother found a stream, but he was out there, essentially fell down. Then it was claiming that as he tore his shoulder and then said his shoulder was torn like two months ago. It was the biggest disgrace. Although the rest was kind of entertaining, but I don't, I'm not sure I would spend an evening uh, in a normal world watching that again. Yeah, um, good for the intern. I heard that he made $100,000 and got a full-time job. Uh, but yeah, Jose Canseco is a little rap bastard like they're saying all night. All right. You guys ready to talk some hoops? Always ready. You know that. All right. So I don't know if you guys heard, but uh, Derek Rose is now back in the Apple. 
at this point, reports are saying that Detroit will receive multiple second-round picks as part of the package. What do you guys think about the trade? Uh, I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm uh, surprised he went to the Knicks, the team that's not going to be in playoff contention and definitely not championship contention. Uh, I don't see why they would make a move like that. He's in the twilight of his career. I was, I was surprised he went to the Knicks out of all the teams that it was going to be. Yeah, I agree. I was kind of surprised that they did that as well. I, I read that Tom Thibodeau was really pushing for like to, to re- reunite with Derrick Rose, but to me, it doesn't really make sense for them. I actually really like the, the trade for Detroit. They got draft compensation, and they got Dennis Smith Jr., who showed a lot of promise when he was in Dallas. Given the right situation, he's got talent. Um, he's had some injury problems in the past, hasn't really played that much this season, but if he can stay healthy, I think that he's a good player good depth player for them i think derrick rose is going to come off the bench for the knicks and maybe give some guys some leadership but besides that it's not a big impact yeah they're they're finally starting to play respectable basketball after all these years and (laughs) now they go and throw draft picks away for for really no reason so it would have been in their best interest to keep the momentum going keep rebuilding acquire young talent um, rather than bringing someone that you guys said in the twilight end of their career speaking of point guards I'm curious to hear you guys' take. Do you think they should trade Kyle Lowry? <laughs> I think it, it depends are they, on Are the... they rebuilding, may, may I say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're necessarily rebuilding. Uh, maybe retooling, if you want to call it that, but definitely not rebuilding. They still have some key pieces in place that they should be a competitive team for years to come. Uh, and they do have a lot of cap space, so who knows what they do with it. But to answer the question that Mike asked, should they trade Kyle Lowry? I think with anything, it, it, it depends on what they can get. Like I, I'd be, I would definitely listen to trade offers. But it, first it, round, it, first round pick. It's in the low twenties. Are you doing it? For that, I'm not. No, it would have to. For I would probably want young, established players that are ready to play and contribute or a higher first round pick, then I would do it. Otherwise, if I'm getting like a 20th, 25th pick overall, no, Kyle brings too much to the team to just settle for that. To me, they need to get back a big who can rebound that's under contract for at least a two-year period. Draft picks is like, I don't know. And like we talked about how the Raptors build and they need to build off trade. So like maybe this is a piece where they can get a big um, that's going to help them down the next couple of years like matt mentioned they have some of their key pieces locked in and og fred and pascal so that's that's their future i don't think it's a rebuild considering those guys are under contract but there's there's still a, a key piece missing for them in the front court um, last last night against memphis they got killed on the boards by by Jonas. he had 20 boards it's so many offensive rebounds second chances that's not going to be sustainable for them to to make a run in the playoffs so they need a big that can that can rebound so i think maybe that's what you consider as a fan talking like you hate to see one of your your favorite players ever get get traded especially considering that likely this this might be his last year on, on the team regardless but leaving the team on a trade always stings a little bit you know what i i like it it makes logical sense to trade a 34 year old Kyle Lowry was still has great value, but has an expiring contract. And considering the makeup of the team, whatever you call it, retooling, I think moving Kyle will likely require a turn, which has both benefits the Raptors' immediate postseason goals and also their long-term ceiling. Like, I know, Mikey, you mentioned if there's a draft pick, would I take it? Not just a draft pick, but if I get like a season playoff performer plus a draft pick, 100%, or even adding a young player while eating up a veteran salary, I'm taking that as well. From like a management standpoint, 100%. But like Luke said, I'm a big fan of Kyle. I love what he brings to the Raptors, and and seeing him go via trade would kind of suck, but business is business. I know. To me, the, the question that answers... The first question I asked is, do you think the Raptors are one piece away from being a championship caliber team? And to me, the answer is no, unless that piece is LeBron, which is not going to be. So and if that's the case, to me, they're going to be out in the first or second round. And if the deal comes around that you like, I get rid of Kyle, no problem. To, to me, they, they might be a one piece. Like It has to be a big piece, I think. But with Kyle on the team, that's that's the issue, right? And then you then you start thinking about like, okay, like what pieces can you give up for a trade to to make that move? And it's like, okay, then you're playing whack a mole, right? 
Well, um, what if they what if they trade Kyle for let's say a pretty good center, and then in the off season they bring in a guy like and again this is just purely hypothetical. Well, let's say they sign Kawhi Leonard in the off season. I think they I think yeah. that's a championship to potentially yeah. battling for a championship team I don't think that's in the East. I think so. I don't think that's and enough. I, and I feel like I, th- I feel like Freddie is doing a great job. And if Kyle, you know, is gone, I think Freddie can fill his shoes. Yeah, but you need you need depth, right? Like they just they just sent down Malachi Flynn to to the G League. Um, last night they were playing some minutes with no point guard like Norman Powell was running the floor right so they're gonna need yeah. to, they're gonna need to get a guard back in return and a big which is like the reason why you would trade him in the first place otherwise like like Matt said like this year is just a write-off and then there I'm, I'm e-transferring camps is 100 bucks <laughs> uh, because they can't they can't play the entire season with just Fred Van Vliet do you believe that this is obviously stemming from the report that came out um, that there's some Raptors personnel that believe they should trade Kyle? Should we believe that though? Like, when was the last time something in the Raptors management got leaked? Do they typically yeah. leak anything? It makes sense that sure. Why not trade Kyle? Right? Like, if someone said that, I, I kind of believe someone did. Masai's a smart man, and I don't know. Not being honest with yourself, if you say at least they 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 have debated it internally should we trade kyle yeah like yeah. you have to besides not a they have the guy. last he two know- years yeah yeah exactly so the report like that gets leaked to me it's just like yeah they have been discussing 100 percent. like he's a expiring free agent and their team is kind of in the you know six seven eight range of like you know the eastern conference so obviously that's a thing that they're going to debate i know i'm sure there's some people that thought yes just like there is here yeah I saw Josh Lewinberg tweet because one of the reports was like a league executive is like, yeah, it sounds like a league executive that probably wants Kyle Lowry on his team. That's leaking that. So like, <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Who know, who knows what the backstory is, is behind that. Uh, but when you think about potential suitors, like there's not that many suitors out because he's got to go to a team that's making a run for a championship, mm-hmm. right? Them, right. Like there's reports around the Clippers and Beverly being on the trade yeah. block, etc. But beyond the Clippers, like, I can't think, I mean, a lot of teams would be happy to have Kyle, but, like, you need to give away a big piece of your team in order to trade trade for him. Yeah, as you were saying that, there was, there was, I was trying to think of teams. The only team I could think of was the Clippers. Yeah. Boston is Miami. They have Drag- the name. Dragic or yeah. Drongic or yeah. I saw like is. a potential deal that's that said like Tyler Hero to the Raptors for for Lowry, which would be interesting. That would, that's pretty enticing if you're a Raps fan. Maybe, I saw even maybe Philly if they trade Ben Simmons to. I think they were saying reportedly with Minnesota and get like a Carl Anthony Towns in return. Interesting. And they have Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, Kyle at point guard. It would be interesting, but. Uh, my prediction would be that he doesn't get traded, that they don't re-sign him, and then he signs as a free agent uh, elsewhere. Well, that wraps up episode 10. Thank you so much for listening, and a special shout-out to Doug McLean, the legend from PEI. We really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you all. We'll be back next week for episode 11.